Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Oh, hey, everybody. It's just me, Kristen, all by myself up in the intro, but don't worry. It's a short intro. We'll get to Jenny and I together having one of the wildest times taping an episode that we've ever had to date. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, let me tell you, while Jenny is gallivanting in New York City, by the way, have you listened to her new song, Avalanche? It rules. If you haven't listened yet, you should. And while she is musicking it up, I would like to tell you two things. First, if you have not gotten tickets to our live events this September, you should. Just my personal opinion. September 9th, we're going to be taping Darkness Falls at Arts at the Armory in Somerville, Massachusetts. And on Sunday, September 10th, we are going to be doing a live taping of Tombs at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York. This is the... 30th anniversary weekend of the X-Files. These are two really fucking fun episodes. At least that's what folks tell me. We're going to have some very cool special guests. It's going to be a good time. All information can be found at bufferingcast.com slash live. Now, of course, the second thing I have to tell you is the results of last episode's Sexual Tension Awards. Now, it's been a couple of weeks. We've been away. I hope you've missed us. I hope you're happy to have us back. The last time we were here, we were talking about two smug bitches. We were live from Jenny's studio in Maine. We were talking about Eve. And here are the results of the Sexual Tension Awards from that episode. Wow. Coming in in last place. Last place with 7% of your votes. Mulder and Scully. It'll all come clear once you see who won this week's Sexual Tension Awards. Tied in third place with 8% each of the votes are Eve and the Persistence of Eves and Soda Lady, a.k.a. Sharon Van Etten, and Getting Paid. Second place goes to Daddies and Exsanguination with 20% of the vote. Congratulations, Daddies and Exsanguination. You would have won had it not been for the 57% of your votes that went to Jenny's hand and Kristen's shoulder during the live taping of Eve. I will be sending out trophies to my own shoulder and to Jenny's hand. And now that we've covered all of the important news, let's hear Jenny and I talk about a little episode called Fire. Three-pipe problem? That's from... uh... Sherlock Holmes, it's a private joke. How private? Um, we knew each other in school in England. She was brilliant, and uh, I got in over my head and uh, paid the price. Walter, you just keep unfolding like a flower.
welcome to the X-Files. That's the EX-Files, a buffering rewatch adventure where we are watching and discussing every episode of the X-Files one by one, spoiler free. I am Jenny Owen-Youngs, ex-wife of Kristen Russo, and I grew up watching the X-Files. And I'm Kristen Russo, ex-wife of Jenny Owen-Youngs, and I've only ever seen 12 episodes of the X-Files today. You guessed it. We're talking about season one, episode 12, Fire. Fire was written by Chris Carter, directed by Larry Shaw, and originally aired on December 17th, 1993. My 13th fucking birthday, Jenny. Incredible. Does it not feel like something from the fucking cosmos that my triple fire sign ass fucking thir- turned 13 the very day that Cecil was setting all of fucking Cape Cod and Boston aflame. You know what I mean? Wow. Yes. When you put it like that, yes, it Just does feel uh, per the prophecy. <laughs> uh, this is the one which you probably already guessed. This is the one with fire. But according to IMDb, this is the one where Mulder and Scully join forces with an inspector from Scotland Yard when a man with pyrokinetic powers stalks members of the British aristocracy. <sighs> Lazoya Ferguson gives this episode a scary rating of two out of five three pipe problems. <laughs> so is that the extra point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the math? What's the math on two out of five three pipe problems? If there's what's two fifths of three? I'll work on that while we discuss. No, no, no. It's it's no, 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 Kristen. It's, oh, it's, it's six pipes. It's fifteen total pipes. Uh, and we at yeah six, six out, out of 15. fifteen pipes. Got it. Okay. That's right. Uh, the extra point beyond the theme music, <laughs> the standing theme music point, is because of Cecil's scene with the kids in the backyard. Real stranger danger stuff. Latoya says. Wow, it's Cecil. They said Cecil. I said Cecil the whole time. Did I just make it up in my head that it was Cecil? It's Cecil. Cecil Cecil. Cecil Cecil. Well, until this moment, I was completely certain that it was Cecil, but now I have no idea, Chris. Okay, that, I'll just say Cecil the whole time, and you can say Cecil the whole time, and then we'll be 50% correct. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I'd like to share some general episode feelings. Yeah, this is the place to do it. You've come to the right place, actually. Tell me all of your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so I had... I laughed so hard watching this episode. I had (laughs) so much fun. And I think that Chris Carter's true calling might be writing comedic episodes, like comedic Monster of the Week episodes. I know he's like really hopped up on his myth arc episodes, but like who gives a shit when you could instead have Phoebe Green and Three Pipe Problems? Also, this is like Chris Carter's... Fifty Shades of Mulder fanfic. Oh it's my like God. so hilariously horny, which made me then in turn think for once. I asked myself for one second. I wonder if there is a, a X Files inspired porn or more than one. But of course, if you can think of it, it exists. It's already porn. Kristen, please tell me. I want to. Know I googled everything. it so you wouldn't have Thank to. Thank you so much. Let, <laughs> it's it's sitting. It's right there. Kristen, it's right there just waiting for any of us to pluck it from the ether. Can, can Someone I, did. Can I guess? It's called- Wait! Yeah. 
Is it called Rated X Files? No, it's called The Sex Files. Mm. I like mine better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Kristen, that might still be available. I didn't do a completely thorough, exhaustive check. So uh, everybody look out for that. My career has taken more bizarre turns, you know? So who knows? Maybe that's next on my agenda. A queer, queer friendly, uh, respectful porn called Rated Mm -hmm. X Files. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Rated X for X Supernatural tint. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there'll definitely be some ghost sex happening in this porn. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I have so many ideas. Okay. Um, in, yes. I also want to let you know that there was, I did see in my searches, a video that involved an alien. <laughs> it's like, okay, so Jenny and I are also working on a book right now. And every time that she tries to make something sound not sexy, even like, even though like it wasn't sexy at all, the result is that it sounds like the sexiest thing that's ever happened. And so like... <laughs> The backflips that you're doing right now to be like, in my research, I stumbled upon. Like, it just. It, I'm it, trying to protect our delicate, beautiful listeners. Okay, well, you're you really the best. You're incriminating yourself because to me, to me, the listener, it just sounds like you're like, yeah, I definitely watched some alien porn, but I'm going to keep that to myself. Um... Wow, do you think yeah, that well, how aliens... could I, in good conscience, try to report back on, uh, you know, material that I didn't view mm-hmm. to its completion? <laughs> when we, okay, 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 For, re- future request, when we cover the Red Shoe Diaries, can we also cover <laughs> uh, the uh, sex files or alien porn or whatever? Like, can we watch one porn and discuss it? <laughs> Please. <laughs> For for science. Uh. Okay, can we just start with Red Shoe Diaries and see how it goes? Yeah, we'll see how you survive. We'll Red start Shoe with Diaries. Softcore and see if we're ready <laughs> to move up to re- review fucking... some hardcore porn for patrons only. It's fucking slippery slope. I'll tell you, you're slippery in more ways than one. Uh, yes. Start start the with the X Files and look out. Um. You mentioned Chris Carter, and I feel like it would be an opportune time to read part of the research that Latoya shared with us, which is that the buyer backstory is is actually Chris Carter's. Uh, quote, quote Chris Carter. So I have this fear of fire, and I thought I'd give Mulder a fear of fire as well. Latoya says, I honestly feel like this story suggests that Mulder is Carter's cool guy self-insert. Um, and this episode is all about watching the cool guy overcome his capital one capital fear, which is something pretty much every piece of criticism knocks this episode for. Um, and also, um, Latoya continues. She has a lot of scully feelings. But I think Latoya has a lot of scully feelings. But we'll press pause on that because from what I understand, our next episode might quell some of Latoya's there is not enough scully. What is the plan for scully feelings? Lord, let it be so. Um, My general feeling... So is this supposed to be a comedy is my first question to you, Jenny. Because you said Chris Carter is definitely... This is his strong suit. He's writing... He's great at writing comedy. And I was like, did he mean to write a comedy? Well, okay. Sorry. There are two types of comedy in this episode. One (laughs) is... uh, One is uh, Mark Shepard. Yes. Uh... 
just like cooking it up, uh, which may or may not be intentional. Probably not intentional. The other is Mulder just getting like roasted at every turn. And I think that this is not the last time that we'll see something like this. I think much like much like in the Buffy spinoff Angel, when they decided it was the most fun to like really poke <laughs> David Boreanaz, uh, you know, re his vanity, re secure his insecurity. <laughs> I mean, Angel's vanity, Angel's insecurity, like yeah. m- making like a you know tall, broad-shouldered, handsome, brooding leading man. Uh, you know, taking that character down a peg with some like really kind mm-hmm. of frivolous stuff I feel like works very well over there and it's working really well over here yeah. I love it also you did not mean to do this but man saying Mulder getting roasted inside of this episode is just a delightful turn oh, of phrase geez. you know yes um, all right. You want to get into it here in Bosham, England? Ugh, I'm so sorry. You should turn off the podcast now if you don't want to hear Jenny and I do really bad British accents, but we will actually be doing really good X-Files <laughs> British accents. So. <laughs> I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to restrain myself because mm. um, nobody wants to hear mine. Uh let me paint you a picture, Kristen. Okay. A rich couple is in love. Okay. Uh, they say good morning to all their many gardeners <laughs> before the husband spontaneously combusts while Kristen, and this is important, Mark Shepard looks on with a very creepy look. There are two things happening here that I think must be discussed. One is that Mark Shepard, Cecil, Bob, uh, <laughs> is absolutely phoning it in with the gardening. Absolutely no effort. He's wearing a sport coat. <laughs> he has never held a trowel before in his life. Uh, and he's also not even bothering to pretend that he is alarmed to see someone spontaneously in air quotes uh, combust before his very eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I does mean, this man wa- want to be caught? It's the, honestly, he certainly doesn't want the rhododendrons to grow. It, <laughs> it really feels like this guy would love to be caught, based on the rest <laughs> of this episode. Like they're yeah, only he's ex- got huge oops yeah. energy. Oh, no, I mean when he listen, I'm I can't. I'm going to talk about it as many times as I damn well please. When he fucking walks into that goddamn hallway at the end of this episode and snaps his motherfucking fingers to light the hallway on fire, I can't. Yeah, this man would like he he might as well be wearing tap shoes and saying like hot cha, yeah. no pun intended. <laughs> I think that I think that I'm going with Cecil. I think Cecil's inner struggle is he wants to murder. Right. But he also wants to put on a show. And so how do you do both? You know, because if you put on a show, you really make a scene, you're going to get caught for your murder. But mm-hmm. so I think that I think really what we're watching is just the undoing of a man who likes to have tap shoes on, but also wants to murder with his talents. Kristen, you're neglecting to include that he also wants to fuck. <laughs> he wants to fuck the wives of the men he combusts. 
Like, does he want to fuck them or does he want to, like, softly hump a tree while they spin a lazy Susan? Because I just... Okay, well, I've never tried that particular method, but, you know, maybe he's on to something. When she spins... I'm sorry, I'm I'm skipping. I can't hold it in. When she spins the lazy Susan around in slow motion as he, like, holds tight to the tree later, I, la- I laughed so hard I, like, could not breathe. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, oh, spices, oh, tea. Uh, I'll never look at a Lazy Susan again. Uh, oh, God. Lazy Susan is really working, actually. It's, it's not lazy yeah, yeah, any longer. Yeah. Um, okay, do you want to talk about this actor? I feel like you were the one who pointed out who this guy is to me. Uh, oh, Mark Shepard. Well, you know him Yes, from Firefly. Badger, one of my all-time faves. Where's the bowler hat, yeah. you know? Where's a tie with no shirt, I think? <laughs> like, he just wears it on his naked neck. <laughs> um, And this, and LaToya let us know, maybe you knew this already, I don't know, but this is a year after Mark Shepard's first guest starring role on a show called R- Really All Fallen Into Line, and the theme here, Silk Stockings. I um, always put on silk stockings before I put on my red shoes and write in my diary. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I mean, LaToya, big fan. I think me, big fan. It seems like you are a big fan. Uh, This guy's a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Scully and Mulder coming out of court. They almost never have to go to court. Mulder says, well, when you're always chasing aliens and genetic mutants, it's really hard to bring charges. (laughs) They get back to his car and... They're surprised to discover that it's unlocked. And Scully says, must be an X file. And this is where, again, and Chris Carter is off to the races. <laughs> this is this is, again, a moment where Jenny's initial assessment of herself as the Mulder and me as the Scully really hits the nail on the head. It definitely is me saying, must be a fucking X file, mm. right? You fucking dummy. <laughs> and Jenny being like, yeah, well, and getting in the car. I don't know which one of us would receive this unmarked tape cassette, but... uh, Me. I would receive it, obviously. Okay, okay, great. Well, congratulations. Uh, He pops it in the deck and hits play, and an English woman's voice tells him that his car is about to blow up if he opens the door, and then that very woman opens the door, scaring the shit out of... Fox Mulder fucking prank at Sinatra over here. <laughs> uh, LaToya uh, would like everyone to know that this fucking tape cassette move is also white nonsense. We got a request for a white nonsense jingle in honor of LaToya yeah. calling out white nonsense. So, Jenny. Yeah, you know. I'm going to I'm I'm excited to make this jingle. I need to have a conference with LaToya mm-hmm. because as yeah. a white person, I have no filter for white nonsense. I'm like, oh, I should put this cassette in the thing. Oh, there's a bonfire in the woods, <laughs> even though there have been animal maulings recently in my high school. I should go to the bonfire party. Well, it begs the question, Jenny, is the jingle supposed to call out white nonsense or is the jingle in and of itself supposed to also be white nonsense? Because, you know, it's... It, no, 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 no. I think it's got to be... I think it's got to be a cautionary tale. I think this is about LaToya helping us save lives. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I want to come up with... You know, I want to yes. get a rundown 
of, you know, the Latoya's top five or top 10 white biggest Mm -hmm. threats uh, to white people (laughs) operating in a supernatural or not environment. Mm -hmm. uh, Just like not fucking thinking. Yep. Just, you know, okay. Drew Barrymore, scream. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Open that door. Hang up the phone. Yeah. Just hang up, honey. Mm-hmm. Just hang up. You just, don't actually just have to answer the Don't ever questions. get on the phone. Yeah. 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 You don't have to have a scary a favorite scary movie. <laughs> get out of there. Don't guess about Jason Voorhees. Stop it. <laughs> okay, so that's that's very much on the docket. Uh, it's on the list. So these two fucked at Oxford and this begins my favorite arc in the whole episode, which is Jillian Anderson's portrayal of Scully rolling her eyes and sighing at Phoebe and Mulder. It's absolutely an Emmy is deserved for this fucking performance. The best part about Mulder being around any other woman is Scully reacting to it. <laughs> yeah. That is, you know, I'm spoiling <laughs> Kristen. There will be other women occasionally. I mean, I'm delighted uh, entering the show. This. I love it. I love it. Uh, she kisses him right in front of Scully, right in front of Scully, the complete and utter lack of respect, and says, you know, some mistakes are quite worth making twice. Her fucking flirty nonsense lines are out of control it reminded me of and this is digging deep if you didn't listen to our coverage of Buffy listen you're lost but Jenny this reminded me of the episode of Buffy where Xander is at the bar with that girl who's like oh my god did I would love to go fishing put some bait on my hook are you a fish would you like fish 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 like she just can't stop like doing the thing and um, yeah yeah and meanwhile Xander was like i'm the part of the fish with the hook in yeah. and this girl is just still like i will keep trying yeah um so phoebe played by uh amanda pays is that how we say mm-hmm. her last name um uh an actress that i'm actually not familiar with uh but apparently she's been in a lot of things uh including the flash and the cw's the flash uh, but she was working on Max Headroom as well uh, uh, in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. So she and she's been uh, in a bunch of other things. She's she's a pretty good time. She's intense. She makes me. I'm afraid of her, but she does a good job making me afraid. So and I and I, honestly, I think that's what Mulder's into. So great work, yeah, Phoebe. Yeah. Okay, so back at Mulder's office. Mm-hmm. I feel like we are either seeing angles of Mulder's office that we have not seen before or they have done a rebuild. Right. Uh, It's like bigger. (laughs) Bigger. It feels like we can get different angles. Technically, I haven't seen the next episode. More money came in. But if I had, I would (laughs) say that, Jenny, I definitely thought that I was seeing Mulder's office for the first time in the next episode. So... I agree. Some something is. No, changed. he took out a. He took out a. Mulder got a HELOC, and he's he's building out. Great. Great. Um, okay, so Phoebe is here because she's trying to catch an ar- arsonist mm-hmm. who's terrorizing the British aristocracy, mm-hmm. right? Setting people on fire and also sending love letters to their wives. 
And apparently also having custom-made oil paintings made of them to hang in in their vacation homes. But Is sure. he having them made or is he painting them himself? That oh. is a question that remains for me. An, an artistnist. An, arst, an arsonist. <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> yes. Uh, so- Sir Malcolm Marsden. Just escaped a fire in his garage. I'm sorry, Jenny. I know you wanted to talk. I just really wanted to say garage. <laughs> um, oh, so good. they so it. they left. They went to Cape Cod um, because they're hoping that they catch this guy before Sir Malcolm Marsden is set on fire. Um, yes. yes. Either by having an affair with Phoebe or the arsonist, TBD. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jenny, um, this is the moment that we began the episode with. Uh, First, Phoebe says, I figured my friend Mulder couldn't resist a three-pipe problem. Phoebe leaves, and she says hello and (laughs) goodbye to (laughs) the only words, basically, she says to Scully the whole time are hello and goodbye. Uh, (laughs) She says goodbye, she leaves, and then we get this exchange that we heard at the top between Mulder and Scully, where Scully's like, uh, three-pipe problem? Mulder explains, it's a private joke. It's a reference to Sherlock Holmes. She says, how private? This is... Now, listen to me, um, folks. If you work at a place with somebody <laughs> and you don't want to flirt, you actually just let this go, okay? If, you, if you're if you just professionally trying to investigate paranormal phenomena, you just let it go. If you would like to investigate more than paranormal phenomena, then you say, <laughs> how private? Uh, and Mulder says, she was brilliant. I got in over my head and I paid the price. And I know we heard it at the top, but fucking Scully, Mulder... You just keep unfolding like a flower. Another burn. This is this, this has to be on your list of Chris Carter burns towards Mulder, yeah? Yeah, it bangs. Mm-hmm. Just incredible. Uh, did you do any research on what a three-pipe problem actually is? Oh, well, it's, um, you know, it's how many pipes Sherlock Holmes has to smoke to solve uh... a mystery. But Kristen, I need to, <laughs> I need to flash wow. forward with you really quick. Because, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes isn't the only detective around here. (laughs) Okay. Phoebe says Mulder couldn't resist a three-pipe problem. Mulder's like, it's a private joke. Later? (laughs) Later, while Phoebe and Mulder are doing a little verbal sparring Mm -hmm. about their past Mm -hmm. (laughs) relationship... Mm -hmm. Mulder says, you know, I'm cursed with a photographic memory. <laughs> yeah, I remember. And uh and do you have the um do you have the line about uh the misty evening over there? Oh, you fucking better believe I do, Jenny. Give me a minute to scroll down to it. Produce it. Uh Jenny <laughs> she says then don't tell me you've forgotten a certain youthful indiscretion atop Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's tombstone on a misty night in Windlesham. I put forth. Mm-hmm. As you know, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is the author of Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. These two got nasty mm-hmm. on top of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's burial site Mm -hmm. and they did it three times 
three. These are the three pipes. This is my theory. It's just, it's not really three pipes. It's Mulder's pipe three times. I was going to say, because it sounds like there's only one pipe involved, but okay. Okay, what I do just, you think? I think that's great. I'm still reeling from me. <laughs> I'm like tossing, tossing a thick file you know? on your desk. <laughs> Ever heard of Mulder fucking Kristen? <laughs> Ever heard of the three pipe problem, Kristen? Um, yeah, I mean, until now, I thought it was plumbing pipes. I had no idea it was smoking pipes because that's how smart I am. Um, so this is all a great reveal to me. I did know about the grave, and I did assume that a pipe was referring to Mulder's penis, but I <laughs> didn't. <laughs> didn't realize it was the pipes that Sherlock Holmes would smoke. So now I'm all caught up. Uh, And I agree. Two out of two podcast hosts agree. A three pipe problem is either Sherlock Holmes smoking three pipes while he solves a case or Mulder fucking Phoebe on a grave three times with his pipe. (laughs) Okay. Family show. So, um, (laughs) Scully says... What? (laughs) I think you're about to... Go for it. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we're just getting real raunchy here uh, in the basement office of Mulder. Scully says that she noticed how quickly he dropped everything to help Phoebe out. And he says, I was merely extending a professional courtesy. And she says, oh, is that what you were extending? (laughs) Scully, Dana. (laughs) Oh, my God. Just when you thought things couldn't get sexier, we go to the fucking arson specialist's office where he just has an orgasm for the entire scene over fire. This guy takes his work very seriously. Beautiful. Oh, just beautiful. Look at that. Salmon red flames. This is 1,400, 1,500 degrees. This is a work of art. Oh, my God. I honestly, I love my job, but I got to tell you, Jenny, I don't love it this much. This man is riding high. He has found what he loves and he's getting paid to do it all the time. I've just never seen anything. (laughs) I've never seen anything like it. Uh, So passionate. I thought it was great. It was very good science for him to, you know, remind us, the audience, that people don't burn so good without accelerant. Yeah. Um, And I thought that this detail about 7,000 degree fires in Seattle and Pennsylvania that were too hot for firemen to put out because the flame was so hot that it would split the water from the fire hoses into hydrogen and oxygen, which would essentially just feed the fire. Very cool. Uh, Just amazing. Very cool. Yeah. Um, And I love the science where fire bends around corners and bounces like a rubber ball. That was fun for me. Boing, boing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He's like... Could be rocket fuel. Mulder's like, what about pyrokinetics? <laughs> yeah. Mulder was like, have you seen the movie Firestarter with Drew Barrymore? Uh, yeah. Just- Mulder was like, I don't have my files with me but right now, but if I did, I would throw one down on your desk and say, ever heard of pyrokinetics, Do you know Mr. What- Arson Specialist? Do you know what those X-Files are called, Jenny? What? They're called X-Fires. So... No, Kristen. <laughs> Sorry. You have to keep me now. It's too late. I'm your only ex-wife. So it's true. <laughs> um, the arsonist is so turned on that like he's simply. Wait. This is 
an arson expert. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. The arson expert, I mean, both of them, honestly, applies to both. But the arson expert is so turned on at this point that he's simply turned on by everything. And he is like, (laughs) (laughs) he says, I already said it, but he says fire can bend around corners, bounce like a rubber ball. And he calls it a certain demon poetry. Oh, fire has got a certain genius, you know, a certain demon poetry. This is Chris Carter writing in his diary, (laughs) having a time and then being like, oh, could I write an X-Files episode where I could work this in somehow? Literally. And then and then like as he's as he's directing all of his sexual energy towards the fire, he like turns and looks at Phoebe and it's like a very like. Uh, Mulder, I see that you're working with fire as he's looking at Phoebe. (laughs) You've got quite a case. Almost wish I could be in your shoes. And what he means is kiss that girl also. It's a lot. It is. Okay. Kristen, you're not going to believe this. (laughs) You are not going to believe this. Cecil is painting the interior of the home with rocket fuel and rocket fuel comes in the same kind of containers as paint but is labeled rocket fuel <laughs> i mean that's so how everyone I would label it, you know be careful when you're going into your garage to do mm-hmm. a little touch up on the den make sure you do not accidentally yeah reach for the rocket fuel which is probably right next to your paint cans. A thousand percent. It's like it's like putting moisturizer on your toothbrush. You know, you just gotta be careful. You don't want to do that. <laughs> also, Jenny, you know what else I couldn't believe? What's that? That there's twins again. How are you gonna put twins? Are these not twins? I don't think they're twins. I just think they're two, two blonde, blonde brothers who are very close in age. They, I, I screamed, twins again? But no, okay. their parents aren't helping them out dressing them in like matching blazers or like two versions of the same coat. Yeah, yeah. Um, welcome to Amer- my favorite part about Cecil is the drama. Okay. Like he later, he said, he later, he confesses to the dog. In this moment, he is speaking to the window pane. He is, what is it? Main character syndrome. That is Cecil. Yeah, it's truly. And he's like, everything he does should end with him, like looking into the camera, (laughs) waggling his eyebrows and then winking, which he basically does as the last scene in the whole episode. So he lights his own cigarette. Also, I'm sorry. Like, I know it's 1993 and people were smoking inside a lot more. But if you're like the employee of the house, just straight up smoking a cigarette inside doesn't seem polite, uh, sir. Different times. (gasps) Different times. Kristen, I started watching The Idol on HBO. Mm -hmm. And this bitch smokes in her own sauna. Oh, God. I know. I, oh, there are a lot of disgusting things that happen on this show, but that is the top for me. Wow. I remember someone, I was a smoker for many, many years, and I remember someone once telling me, because I would like chew gum and then smoke a cigarette right after, and someone was like, you should never do that because chewing gum like opens your salivary glands, and then when you <gasps> smoke the cigarette, it's like whatever. Who the 
the fuck knows if that's true. I don't even actually sounds know, true. Uh, whatever, but I believe it. Basically, that just came up for me because I was like, "What does a sauna do to your body when you smoke a cigarette? It can't oh, be good, yeah. right? Yeah, well, sauna's like opening up all your pores and stuff, right? Yeah, and then it's like all the better to absorb the <laughs> cigarette smoke. You're just a fucking nicotine person when you walk out. Yeah. Um, all of our non-smokers are horrified and all of our smokers just went out to go have a say. They paused the podcast. They were like, I gotta, now I gotta get a cigarette. Um, okay. So fucking Cecil is like, he's like a character from a kid's show in this scene where they enter the house, which I would like to refer to henceforth as the Cape Cottage, uh, which is what I called it in my notes. Uh, Cecil, hi, I'm Bob, the caretaker. He's like in fucking overalls, has shaved his horrible fucking wig goatee. And he's like, (laughs) I'm just a friend of Xander's here. (laughs) Wow. Fucking nailed it, Jenny. That is exactly what he's like. Um, so, and yeah, they're like, hello, hello, hello. And hello, hello, as, hello. As he's walking away, yeah. <laughs> as he's walking away, before he's even out of earshot, Lord Marsden is like, he seemed like a nice man, didn't he? And then they are both stopped in their tracks by a painting hung on the landing of a woman that looks exactly like Lady Marsden. And Lord Marsden is like, this painting looks rather like you. And this is why we just saw Cecil painting mm-hmm. uh, walls mm-hmm. and we saw him applying rocket fuel. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking he's painting all the oil paintings in the house. And I'm thinking he's mixing rocket fuel in. Wow. What do you think? I mean, I like it. It makes me uh, want to know more about Cecil, honestly, than the rest of this does. Because I, if he's painting beautiful artworks, that's interesting. I would like to know about his talents. <laughs> Except actually, no, uh, I wouldn't. Because then he kicks the fucking dog I in the next know. scene. It's, what the That's fuck? a deal breaker for me. Yeah, I'm me sorry, too. my friend. <laughs> uh, and this is when he's, <laughs> he's like... See, I'm the caretaker now, doggy. See that hand sticking out of the ground where you were just digging? I killed him. That's the real Bob. I'm Bob now. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, my God. Wild. Oh, God. Okay, so Mulder's office fucking Scully walks in. So Sherlock is the game afoot. I... (laughs) This might be the moment that I fall in love with Dana Scully. You, I registered when I fell in love with Fox Mulder. This this episode might be it for me with, with Dana. It's real good. And Mulder's like, I'm going to let you off the hook. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do you a favor of uh, relieving you from your partnerial duties for this episode. Mulder's also like, fire why did it have to be fire (laughs) so okay so phoebe is Mulder's fire Mulder is afraid of fire traumatized by fire real fire and the phoebe fire all of the chris carter you see what he did there jenny that's what he did there i do Okay. Um, also, Mulder tells Scully this like origin story of why he's so afraid of fire. He says his best friend's house burned down, and they had to spend the night in the rubble to keep away looters. And I said, what? <laughs> well, yeah, this was curious to me because I just imagine if a house burned down, 
there wouldn't be anything to loot. But I guess it sort of depends on like what if only part of the house burns. Also, it just feels like maybe if the house is burned down and someone needs to make sure that looters aren't coming in to take the things out of the burned down house, that maybe like the kids wouldn't be there? Question mark. You know, yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, there are many schools of thought when it comes to parenting. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And uh, the Children's Defense League Against Looters is like one way, I guess, to go about it. (laughs) Team building skills, you know. Yeah. I give to to C. Dell every year, Jenny. So. Okay, so sooner, he says sooner, I I wrote an, uh, I extended this line of dialogue. He says sooner or later, a man's got to face his demons. And I added in parentheticals or fuck them? Question mark. (laughs) Oh, another crossover with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) Yeah, literally. It really just seems like Mulder completely knows what he's doing and what's going to happen from the jump here. From the moment that he sees her open the car door which by the way i didn't get to ask but how does he not recognize her it is just her voice it's just her voice um but that well they haven't talked in 10 years and Mm -hmm. you know i feel like your voice changes a little bit in adulthood as you like mature okay okay and he does have a photographic memory not a audio stereographic stereographic (laughs) memory yeah Oh, oh my God, it's time to spin a fucking Lazy Susan, Jenny. Wow, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be looking for the episode of The Sex Files that <laughs> is a play on this episode, this scene in this episode specifically. <laughs> um, I love his little Canadian tuxedo look, though. Yeah, it is good. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So Mrs. Lady, sorry, how inappropriate, Lady Please. Marsden, sorry, is and in don't a, forget to curtsy. a dress made out of the fabric of 1993. Uh, she is making tea. Very sad for me because I got really excited that there was going to be more full coffee cups in this episode. But we're dealing with Brits here. So we're having tea. She's handling the mugs uh, sexily. She's spinning the su- the Susan sexily. And he's outside watching this. But then... We hear a cough from below. <laughs> no, that is how Mulder coughs later. That is not how the driver coughs. Uh, pretty convenient that this guy has a cough so that mm-hmm. Bob can go get him some cough syrup. I always, Kristen, when I'm shopping for cough syrup, I always go directly to my local pub. I sit down. I order one cough syrup and one beer, please. <laughs> this has really been bugging me lately. I know that, like, there's a whole brand thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, no one has ever gone into a bar in the last 60 years and ordered a beer. <laughs> Just a beer. One, one beer, please. beer, please. Any kind. Whatever you have, surprise me. But no, that that's... would make that would be okay if you added that addendum. If you said surprise me. Yeah. Or like give me your local, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like, yeah. Or give me your cheapest yes. or whatever. Give me your lightest. But, but just an IPA. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You me know. ordering wine in a restaurant. One glass of your earthiest red, please. <laughs> yeah, that's my shit. You got that from me. <laughs> so, Jenny, before did we... Did I? Did I get it from you? Maybe we just came up with it together. Okay. Mm, um. Okay, so before we go to the bar, I just want to say that one of my favorite activities is uh, watching men interact with each other like like men men interact with each other you know Chris, I just one of Kristen's favorite activities is watching men interact with each other <laughs> everyone remember this for later for the sex files <laughs> <laughs> I just like to st- I like to watch like two dudes on a construction site like have a conversation it's very fascinating to me and my gender studies brain but um I really enjoyed these two when because the the driver, the the original driver, whatever this guy's name is, he's like very like. And so when Cecil is like syrup or a lozenge, he's like 
the syrup would be good. <laughs> like it's like he like literally almost says like syrup, no homo, you know, <laughs> in his delivery. Yeah. Anyway, just a tiny. Yeah, aside. he's like, what's what's less gay, syrup or a lozenge? You swallow syrup, but you have to suck a lozenge. Uh, it's like, oh fucking God. lose, lose, man. I should have never gotten this cough. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> now please okay. take us to the bar. Down at the bar, Bob orders a beer, and a lady <laughs> sidles up to him for some reason. Oh, <laughs> for some reason. And he offers to light her cigarette with his little thingy trick. Which she, he was loves. Like, She's she loves. She's loving it. it. Yeah. yeah. And then is like, uh, why not just light my whole forearm on fire? And then he... Kristen, this is where I need to ask to speak with the barkeep because he he lays his arm down on the bar, which you can see in the light of the flame of his arm, is completely covered in alcohol. There's just loose puddles of alcohol covering the entire bar surface, which, of course, immediately ignites. This is just bar safety 101. Just just use your bar rag, sir. Wipe some of that up, for goodness yeah, sake. Who's, got, everybody's who, got wet elbows at this bar. Who's just casually dumping that precious medicine directly onto the bar? And, like, is beer even that, like, you know, clearly if you, No, like, that's got to be liquor. That's, right. uh, they're, they're very careful not to spill a drop of when you order beer. <laughs> <laughs> but when you order a shot, they're like, cool, one for you, one for the bar. One, one for you, one for <laughs> yeah. the bar. Yeah. When you actually, when you get one for yourself and one for the house, it actually means they just dump it directly <laughs> onto the bar surface. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just loved how this girl, like, absolutely was in love with him when one finger was aflame, but then when his arm was in flame, she was like, that's a little too much, sir. I'm not, if you can't love me at my whole forearm on fire, you don't deserve me at my one fingy on fire. As I always say, Kristen, I've said this to you many times. You do. All right. We go to Boston Mercy Hospital here. Mulder is talking to Phoebe. He says the bar was across the street from the freaking fire department and they still didn't even have time to get over there. The fire marshal said it burned so hot that it turned the cement into sponge cake. Can that happen? Bananas. Crazy. This girl from the bar, this lady, she doesn't want to get involved because uh, she lives with someone who thought she was at school last night. How's she going to explain how her whole hands are burned? How are you going to go to school and come home smelling like a like yeah. alcohol? Also, this was such an elaborate, like the entire reason for her telling us that she actually was uh, having some bar indiscretions was mm -hmm. just so we could get this exchange between, like it was only written in so that mm. they could have their little banter between a Mulder and That's Phoebe right. outside. So Phoebe says, uh, I really liked what you did in there. Casually disregarded her indiscretion, a firm but polite manner until she accedes to cooperate. Mulder says, uh, I learned it from being with you. So how do you like that? <laughs> Phoebe, who has been as tough as fucking nails this whole episode, one roast from Mulder. And she's fucking, she's so upset. She's like, yeah. wow, so sad. Mulder apologizes. Why is this man apologizing? Mulder, don't do it. Mulder's really between, what was his fucking old partner's name? Ted, Fred, Bill, Tim? 
A, a guy. A guy. It's just like that guy was such a dick to Mulder and Mulder bent over fucking backwards for him. This lady is being a fucking asshole to Mulder and was 10 years ago. And he I mean, I at least understand that he wants to have a three pipe problem again here. But still, I just don't understand, like, why this man is hanging on with all these losers. You know, just get a figure it out, man. You got a gem right there. So her name's Dana Scully. Anyway. She says, unless I'm mistaken, 10 years seems sufficient time to have forgiven a few youthful indiscretions. I disagree, ma'am. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. Do not let your guard down with this woman, Mulder. Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Uh... Uh, Bar Lady does remember one more thing before they leave. Mm -hmm. Fire Guy had an English accent. (gasps) Bum, bum. Back at Cape Cottage, the driver is, according to my notes, coughing like a beast. (laughs) Fucking Bob Cecil, never to miss his dramatic cues from the fucking other room, says, having a rough time, huh? And then to us at home says, maybe it's the cough syrup. (laughs) This guy! (laughs) (laughs) Some jazz hands. Oh, God. Jenny, does Scully have an office is a question I write in my next note. She's always sitting at Mulder's desk. Does this woman not have an office of her own? Wait, is she at Mulder's desk in this in this typey type? Maybe anytime it's dark. I mean, later in a minute, she's at her house, of course. But yeah, yeah. When she's at the desk and it's nighttime, I always think she's in the basement with the lights turned off in Mulder's I office. I thought she was in an office in that was not Mulder's, office. but who knows? <laughs> Imagine she has like a little... There's like Mulder's desk, and then there's like a little like desk for like your child next That's to like, Mulder's. <laughs> me and mommy at the office. <laughs> uh, oh God, Jenny, I can't wait for your fucking ex in the city this week because you have material for days. I do, I do. She's profiling. She's profiling up a storm. Uh, the arsonist satisfies sexual urges with destructive behaviors. <laughs> I had to wonder. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> LaToya let us know that uh, one of the oh, shots man. of Scully typing away at her computer is actually reused footage from Squeeze uh, when she was working on her profile for Eugene Victor Toombs. That's rude. Pay, pay Julian Anderson even... to sit at a computer again, goddammit. Yeah. You can even see one of the Toombs victims in photographs. Yeah. By... <laughs> I mean, honestly, good for good for Jillian that she didn't have to go back. But, but it, what the episode came in short. What did we do? What happened? I wonder if they planned because later some of her is it her report that's over B roll. You know, like vibes. Maybe they had planned to put this part over other footage that they then just didn't use. So in a pinch, right, 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 right. they had to come up with something. Um, okay, sorry, Cape Cottage. Okay, oh at the Cape Cottage. <laughs> Friggin' guy is showing the boys a magic trick. He makes his cigarette disappear and then produces it lit, half smoked from his ear. These children. Ooh, ooh do it again. <laughs> oh my Wait. God. Meanwhile. Yeah, oh God. Scully pops by the arson specialist's office. This guy is so fucking pumped to be working on quote this mafia torch job here (laughs) 
Mrs. Golly is like, what if he got rocket fuel into hand cream? I like that she's so specifically like hand cream. Yeah. She, well, she was like, she probably had the idea while she was moisturizing. Right she after she like got well out of the bath, she didn't take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was like, she has to moisturize because she never has time to do uh, a moisturization soak. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Outside the fucking cottage, back to the boys and Cecil. He has now lit three cigarettes and he offers them, I say, to the twins because convince me otherwise. Um, I love that Michael is like, no, I couldn't possibly. And Jimmy is like, fuck, yeah. Give me that fucking smoke, man. Jimmy is certainly the wild child of the bunch. But Lady Marsden interrupts in the nick of time and asks if Bob could drive them to a party tonight because the driver is ill. And Bob is like, why, yes. <laughs> Jenny, my note is, I laughed at my own note, which is glares arsonistically as they walk away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So more Scully. What else does she have to say about our arsonist, Jenny? She believes the arsonist followed Lord Marsden to the United States. She is following up on uh, all of the recent immigration from England to the U.S. Sure. I just meant that the arsonist is usually unmarried and prone to obsessive <laughs> fantasies about women or men who are inaccessible to him. Often, oh, yeah, that too. This is interesting. Often the setting of fires is a result of his cowardice and inability to develop a natural relationship. Uh, but yeah, you know, so if I was a serial arsonist and I heard people writing profiles like this, it would just make me want to set more set fires. More fires. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. I was like, Scully, you were going to piss this motherfucker off. You need Be to calm cool, down. Scully. Don't call him out like that shit. Um, walking in the rain is my next location. Uh, Mulder is pleased to finally have a partner who immediately agrees with him. Only to get into your pants, <laughs> sir. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they decide they're going to set a trap for the arsonist oh my god if the driver was also a bodyguard would not they need to get another bodyguard like that's a plot hole you don't just lose yeah. a bodyguard and decide Cecil's fine I mean Bob is fine whatever Phoebe's like I have a hotel room for the night and then my note says waka chicka waka chicka <laughs> yeah. yeah the sex files so okay Speaking of the hotel room, that's where we go next. And I have two things to say. Uh, one is... <laughs> I was like, okay, would you like to go? Please, what do you want? Uh, say it, Jenny. Say your is thing. Is one of them... <laughs> yes. Is one of the, the things that you have to say having to do with the four-poster bed strung with gauzy white fabric? Well, yes, but it is... That Mulder sits on the bed and bounces a few times. And this is a move that I've seen in other movies and television that like men will like sit on the bed and test it for its bounciness. Is this my question? Men, men if there are any of you listening, do you test the bounciness of the bed before getting intimate? Do you does that do you do physics in your brain of like and what if it doesn't meet 
your expectations. Or is it mathematics? Is it like the bouncier the bed, the less you move? The the uh, you know what I mean? Like, are you doing math? Is what is the purpose of this? I would like a- emails. I would like answers on this, please. Hello at bufferingcast.com. Yeah. Do you bounce on a bed before you have sex? And if you do, why? Okay, and then the other thing, Jenny, is actually a fact. Uh, This is the Venable Plaza Hotel. I don't know if that's how you say it. Um, And I looked it up because I wanted to know if this was a hotel in Boston. It's actually just fully a hotel in Vancouver. Like, it's called this. Um, But what's interesting is that this hotel, coincidentally, had been rebuilt after burning to the ground. (gasps) What do you think about that? Cecil, you can So now he's Cecil. <laughs> well, when he already burned down a whole hotel before this episode was even conceived, yes. Oh, God. Jenny, you know that feeling when you're bouncing on a bed because you're going to have sex with your old flame, but then your new flame calls you? She, Kristen. Yeah. Kristen. Yeah. She says she has information <laughs> about the arsonist, and so she's going <laughs> To drive, she's going to drive the information from the District of Columbia to Boston, Massachusetts, and she's like, "Where can we meet?" And Mulder says, "Kristen." Mulder says he anticipates having his hands full. Jenny is cupping both of her hands. That's rude. Is can someone call HR, please? I'm just saying. Oh. I feel like he made it more than clear. God. All, I mean, that was my note. I have something to show you. I'm going to come up, and then in all caps, I wrote, from Washington, D.C.? <laughs> Folks, this is a long <laughs> fucking drive. Okay, this is like eight hours. It's got to be like an eight-hour trek. Are you finding out the exact distance? Kristen, this is a seven-hour and 52-minute drive time right now with no traffic fucking fucking nailed that shit i said dc to new york that's four new york to boston that's four and i did the fucking math you know what i mean eight hours she drove how what when did those hours happen unclear okay hello that's what literally someone says when they get out of the car (laughs) at the party they're literally (laughs) someone from vancouver doing a british accent says hello I didn't even write who. I just wrote hello in my notes. Okay. I also wrote the party starts. Phoebe looks like sex on legs. That's my note. She does. Mulder is wearing mm-hmm. a tux. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just made me think of the gun jingle that you have uh, written for the angel verse. Because that's the jingle that I hear in my head when a hot man wears a tux now. Yep. Yep. <sighs> Check it. that tux. Check that bod. You know. Hours go by. Mm-hmm. Phoebe comes out and asks Mulder to dance. And Mulder says it looks like the arsonist isn't going to make an appearance. Phoebe counters. No. That doesn't mean no. there won't be any fires to put out. No. Fellas, if I have a boner and you say this to me, that is the end of my boner. Don't. This is too much. Doesn't mean there won't be any fires to put out. Jenny just looked at something in the room like, well, it would work for me. (laughs) What? Uh, Enter Scully. Okay. Scully. 
arrives somehow. I don't know. Whatever. She gets there real fast. Or she talked to Melder was bouncing on the bed at 12 noon and she drove straight through and got there at 8 p.m. And this is what's happening. But (laughs) Jenny, she stands on the precipice between the hallway and whatever little empty ballroom Phoebe and Mulder are now full smooching in. Okay, because there are apparently going to be some fires to put out. She turns around, my notes say, Scully sees them. The captions say, size. She turns around. She sees Cecil in the bushes. She turns around again because she doesn't want to see that. They're kissing. She turns around again. Cecil is gone. She keeps turning. And now she sees there's a fire on the 14th floor. The woman spins around a minimum of three times. Poor Scully has nowhere to look. There's nothing good happening for her. Oh Oh my gosh, the fire's on the 14th floor. That's where the children are. Oh my God, also it's probably actually the 13th fucking floor because we're in the United States where we hate the number 13. Well, it's Vancouver, so who knows? Oh, it's illegal in Canada, actually. So it is actually the 14th floor. (laughs) Okay, anyway. Uh, Mulder goes hoofing it up the stairs, preparing to face his fear... He, he pops out into the hallway to face this blaze, uncovered nose, uncovered mouth, just the firemen horking, are horking on... in as much smoke as he could possibly inhale. Firemen literally on floor 12 at this point. Like, they're right there. They're right behind him. He does not need to go into this blaze. There are men in full suits that can go and get these kids, but he but goes But he's trying there. to impress Phoebe. Or himself. He's trying to prove to himself that he's not afraid of Phoebe slash fire. I don't know. Yep. Yep. So the firemen rescue Mulder. You know, remember, (laughs) please see note about me loving men interacting with men. It applies here, too. Um, And they get him downstairs, and Scully is so romantic, Jenny. She puts his... She puts her hand on his leg. She checks in on him. Phoebe doesn't give two shits. She's a medical doctor. Phoebe doesn't know shit. (laughs) She is. And, you know, I actually um, have a note about being a medical doctor for the next scene, which is, oops, the first way to help smoke inhalation is to be naked in a canopy bed. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure that was uh, Scully's note. So this is where uh, Mulder also coughs like the cough you did before he wakes up. He's like, Dude, imagine if Dana Scully got your smoke inhalation ass into bed, took your shirt off, you woke up to her, giving you little sips of water, and your first words were, where's Phoebe? Oh, fuck off, Mulder. Mulder, get out of here. Come on. Sometimes people just want to get burned, you know? That's That's what they're into, so... Okay, so Phoebe just fucking lets herself into the room right after Scully has asked Mulder what he thinks of the new driver. Phoebe walks in and says, I checked him out. He worked on the property for eight years. Um, Scully says she saw him downstairs right when the fire started, not with the children, which is where Phoebe says he was. And Phoebe says, "Mm, that couldn't have happened. And anyway, the man we are looking for is English. Ugh. Um, Then Phoebe's like, so the Marsons are heading back to England, and also so am I. And Mulder's like, oh. She says her last goodbye to Scully as she walks out the door after like a full exchange with Mulder. And uh, she leaves, and I write, 
the thing that came to my mind, Jenny, which I'm sure you remember, anyone alive during this time remembers, is you are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> remember? I do. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I never watched The Weakest Link. Uh, I never I watched just know it. I, didn't, I didn't watch reference. it a lot, but yeah. Um, so Phoebe fucks off, and Scully's like, "So anyway, I educated myself about arson, and also, Sissa Lively worked as a gardener for two of the victims. Also, he died in 1971. Also, a child who died in ritual sacrifice." By a satanic cult in 1963 he had the same name and also uh, i was i found one person by that name in a list of recent visas from the uk to the u.s directly to boston so, Kristen. yeah uh yeah you're like what, what? is happening because <laughs> it feels like if we're suggesting that the kid is this the kid who was part of the ritual sacrifice? But like, like basically, is it just the same guy? But did he, what happened? I don't understand. Is it that the kid didn't die in 63 because he was already impervious to fire? Then did he grow up but stop aging at some point? Or is he like a really young looking 40 and it's just all the same guy or is the first Cecil Cecil not even related? I just, you know, that's a lot of information to throw at a viewer and then not really let us know what that even means, but okay. Yeah. I wish I had answers for you, Kristen. <laughs> Either way, Cecil Cecil is here and a danger and Mulder's like, call the local FBI office, get that composite sketch, and I'm going to go try to get feed. Mulder's like, Mulder's like, do this, and do this, and do this, and do this, and do this. I'm going to go get Phoebe. <laughs> uh, perfect, Incredible. Perfect drawing of Bob comes out of the fax machine, and yep, yep. Scully's like, oh, shit, it is the driver. This is, like, full, like... Laurel and Hardy? No. What's the... Who's on first? Who am I trying to think of? Abbott and Costello. No, Abbott and the other Laurel and Hardy. Abbott and Costello. Uh, There's a full Abbott and Costello of like, it's the driver. It's not the driver. It can't be the driver. The driver's burned alive at the toilet. What? We'll get there. Um, but she goes... <laughs> she follows to the cottage because she calls with her leather-gloved finger dialing a cell phone. She calls Mulder and he is out of range. Uh, so she rushes after him to the Cape Cottage. Mulder speeds up to the Cape Cottage, flies through the door to discover Kristen. Phoebe. Kristen. Phoebe and Lord Marsden are snogging. There's no other word for it. Wow, I literally wrote boinking, which is only funny because I don't know that I've ever heard you say snogging, and I don't know that I've ever written boinking. Yours is definitely more British, so you also win. more accurate. They're not fucking Kristen. <laughs> I know. But I meant, like, gen generally speaking, not, like, on the stairs, but, like, right, in right, general, right, right, they right, are right. blinking. Oh, this woman. Oh, my goodness. Um, Mulder explains they found the arsonist. She has to get the family out of there right now. Um, I write, who made this painting, LOLOLOL? I don't know why I've written that there, but like, maybe we just get another close-up of it. 
Oh, we do. Um, and then Scully gets there and she's like, it's the driver. And Mulder's like, I know he disappeared. The family's upset. They're like, this guy worked for us for 10 years. How could we not have known? And now I'm going to play a sound clip for you so we can get a real taste of the accent work being done by the Marsdens. This isn't the driver. It's the caretaker. And he's upstairs with the children. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Great, 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 great. So, Jenny, when did this man who used to be the driver get burned alive? Was he pu- puking? He was trying to puke. Man was just trying to puke in peace. Uh, yes. And what? So there was rocket fuel in, in the cough syrup. The cough syrup. And 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 just to be clear. Cecil is a fire starter, but because people can burn but aren't great conductors, he needs to help them um, be more con- conductive so that they can go aflame. So he couldn't just set a person on fire because the flame he would just- He has to prep them in some way. Prep them. Yeah, that's a really interesting take on pyrotechnics. Pyrotechnics? Um, yeah. Okay, so- what a way to go. This guy just burnt to a crisp mid-hurl over the toilet bowl. <laughs> horrible. Horrible. R.I.P. the driver. Oh, man. This um, is when shit gets good. I have all caps. Just all caps for this next scene. The house starts catching fire. Paintings and textiles first. Let's go. Mulder. Mulder's like, everybody get outside. Except Scully, find a fire extinguisher. <laughs> One handheld fire extinguisher for this inferno. Yeah, Jenny, not only does he ask Scully to get one small fire extinguisher for the burning house that is aflame everywhere, but for the first like 60 seconds of this scene, everyone, and when I say everyone, I mean literally everyone except for the two children who are trapped somewhere are standing inside of the bedroom watching it go up in flames and watching Mulder use one Towel as he tries to <laughs> whack each flame with it. The door is wide open. Nothing is blocked. And like Scully, Lady Marsden, Mr. Marsden, Phoebe, they're all fucking in there just watching this man whack flames with a towel. What is happening? Anyway, the mom, Lady Marsden, is like, what about the children? And Mulder's like, I'll take care of the children. And then he pulls out a gun because he's going to shoot the fire, Jenny. <laughs> you might not be able to fight fire with fire, but you can fight fire with the bullet. You know what I mean? Fight fire with gun. Oh, my God. This uh... is the best moment. Please tell us what happens. Please tell us what happens. Mulder hears the boys and the dog, right, mm-hmm. in the locked room. And he's like, I got to get in there. But uh-oh. Cecil appears at the end of the hallway. This hallway is just loaded with paintings. Just whoop, all the way down. And Cecil's like, "Acha!" And snaps his fingers and everything. All, every painting uh, bursts into flames simultaneously. This is Job from Arrested Development doing a magic trick. Convince yeah. me otherwise. Cecil... Yeah. Sets the hallway ablaze and then goes down the staircase where Scully is waiting with a gun. And he's like, the spark from that fucking round will blow the whole house to kingdom come. And then 
Phoebe comes running like a bat out of hell through the doorway and <laughs> covers this man in a bucket of accelerant. That's just a plan she whipped up on her own. She didn't talk to anybody about it. <laughs> okay, she is resourceful. I'll give her that. Yeah. Mulder busts the door open, gets the boys outside. Where's the dog? <gasps> Where is the dog? The dog's got four legs. He got out on his own. Okay. Um, And then outside, Cecil goes up in flames. Screaming and laughing. You can't kill me. You can't fight fire with fire. <laughs> did something happen that made him catch on fire? Or did he do this himself? I guess, like, he... Uh, maybe because he was covered in accelerant and he tried to start more fire, it started himself on fire. Okay. 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 I lost all uh, control of my hands in this moment when he said, you can't fight fire with fire. I just have like a bunch of letters and semicolons in a row as I like responded in real time. Latoya says the next moment is maybe the best moment in the whole episode. And it's definitely up it's there. Incredible. It's up there for me, Jenny. What happens? Uh, let's hear what our beautiful, beloved Dana Scully says as she walks in to Mulder's office. Care to take me to lunch? Scare you? You have no idea. This man whips around with the fear <laughs> in his heart. <sighs> but it's only Scully. It's only Scully. Pranking him. And that here we have a moment of personal growth. Phoebe hasn't called Mulder, but she did messenger him a cassette like a freak. And he hasn't listened he says the same thing he said about the first cassette 10 to 1 you can't dance to it oh my god good job buddy good job this is the 1993 version of not checking that text message you don't play yeah. the cassette tape that your ex sent you in the mail <laughs> okay so um don't worry cecil was correct you cannot fight fire with fire cecil's fine actually um, he's in a hyperbaric chamber. Um, his body temperature has been a consistent 109 degrees, and he is rapidly regenerating. A full recovery from fifth and sixth degree burns are anticipated inside of a month. Incredible. The nurse asks if she can get him anything, and his eyes fly open. And he says, for reasons no one can explain. In an American accent, <laughs> I'm just dying for a cigarette. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. It's like wink. The fucking Looney Tunes frame. circle like closes in. <laughs> yeah, it closes on, but then like gets caught on his nose and then expands again and then he winks and then it closes all the way. <laughs> Bugs is just smoking a cigarette in front of the curtain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, it's good though. I I am I actually support this level of insanity. If you're gonna make us laugh as much as you made us laugh, you might as well just go all the way. Um, just incredible, incredible. Uh, how uh, I'm just I have feelings about Scully and believing um, because this is just like for real. I mean, this I understand that like the core of believing is aliens but like also this is paranormal this man's body temperature is 109 he's regenerating uh, this is these are scientific facts for our medical doctor 
would not this help her believe? Nope. This bitch. Nope. She's just writing her little reports mm-hmm. and averting her eyes uh, from all the evidence. She did not avert her eyes from the naked torso of uh, Fox Mulder earlier. I'll tell you what. Mm. And speaking of naked torsos and eye aversion, let us cast our eyes now upon this week's Sexual Attention Awards. Let's. Welcome back to another thrilling installment of the Sexual Attention Awards. We should have named this segment. We should have renamed it for this podcast, The Sex Files, obviously. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) As usual, we've got four slots and plenty of noms to stuff them with. And slot number one. He's got an eye, not necessarily for a lady in red, but for, you know... A flame in red? Some (laughs) salmon red flames. The arson expert and his OTP, salmon red flames. Beautiful stuff. Uh, That's actually what the song Lady in Red is about, Jenny. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. Mm It's lot number two. Some people prefer an understated, subtle, soft touch, you know? (laughs) Some people prefer somebody who's not all flash. Mm. But that's not what this slot is about. This slot is it about a man only too happy to look directly into the camera, wink, wiggle his eyebrows, do some jazz hands, do a little tap dance, spin and twirl, and hump a tree. It's Cecil and the drama. Oh, God, I know we already did it, but it like could it also be Cecil and the lazy Susan, you know? <laughs> it's slot number three. There's a lot of talk of fire and flames in this episode, Mm. and uh, not all of them are literal, because in slot number three, we have a very hot pairing of Scully and roasting Mulder about Phoebe Green, (laughs) which she loves to do. Oh, it's good. I love to watch it. And in slot number four, testing us, testing us and our sense of decency, it's Mulder and Phoebe Green. And Sherlock Holmes with a three-pipe problem on a misty night in Windisham. (sighs) Oh, goodness, dear friends. I don't even know. There's just so many. Sometimes there are so many options that are so appealing. I can't even begin to figure out where to cast my vote. But when you do, the place to cast it is by visiting bufferingcast.com slash sta. This will lead you to the poll, our beautiful listener poll, hosted on our Patreon. You don't have to be a patron to vote. You just have to create an account, as you would on Twitter. Remember Twitter? Distantly in the foggy past of yesteryear. Well, you Uh, haven't invited me to Blue Sky yet, so I'm still hanging out on Twitter, Jenny. I haven't earned any invitations yet, Kristen. (laughs) Likely story. Uh, Please make your voice heard. Uh, This is a very important, very, very important hot topic, which must be addressed and settled so that we can all get on with our lives. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 
Well, Jenny? Kristen? I mean, you don't need a crystal ball to know that you can't fight fire with fire, so... I was just wondering if you needed an accelerant to burn a crystal ball or if you can't fight crystal ball with fire. You cannot. Crystal ball can, impervious is to impervious to all, actually. Um, yeah. Jesus. You can't fuck with the crystal ball. The crystal ball will fuck with you, but no, no. Oh, goodness. Jenny, here I am, Crystal Ball. So I learned a little bit about our Mulder in this episode, which is that he seems to, you know, the the partner, the shitty partner that he was pulled towards um, was a one-time thing. But now with Phoebe in the mix, I'm concerned about Mulder's ability to actually see the goodness directly in front of him in the form of Dana Scully. I am concerned that Mulder may simply be a destructive, a uh, little destructive guy. Maybe he's not going to get to our Scully uh, in a way that's powerful by the end of this season. Um, and maybe Scully is like also not going to be as interested, even though his <gasps> his torso is stunning. You know, if you see somebody can continue to sort of walk into... His- Torso is stunning. Maybe you can watch somebody walk into walls over and over again. They lose some of their appeal, and so I'm worried. I just want to make sure you you noted that Mulder had some growth. He didn't listen to the tape cassette. I hope, but this isn't about hope. I hope that he makes it work. But my crystal ball, it's a little hazy around these two getting together. I'm worried. I'm worried by what the crystal ball is showing me. You know. Well, only time will tell, Kristen. There's not, don't despair just yet. Yeah. Anything is possible. A couple questions. I'm not going to read them all. I have a few questions that came in. So as of last episode or the episode prior, um, the crystal ball um, consented to questions <laughs> from listenership. So I have an email address. Sorry. The crystal ball has an email address. It's there we go. Crystal ball at bufferingcast.com. If you have questions um, about the X files or your future, you can email the crystal ball and I will <laughs> <Or> your future. <laughs> do my best to answer them. I can look out. I don't know. I can't promise you anything. Okay. I can just sure, ask. Sure. And see what the crystal ball returns. Yep, yep. Oda wrote in, asked the crystal ball. As is usual when you rewatch a show that started a long time ago, you'll see various bit parts played by famous actors. But before they were famous, this is especially true for a show that was on air for as long as The X-Files was. So my question for the crystal ball is, which famous actors will show up in The X-Files before they were famous? I'm just looking into my crystal ball. Please give me a moment. This is such a great question. I can't wait to see what the crystal ball says. Okay, Jenny, um, I'm going to go with um, the crystal ball is showing me Nicole Kidman. Okay, Nicole Kidman. Got it. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. (laughs) Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Got it, got it, got it. The dad from Family Matters. 
Okay. Family Matters debuted four years before The (laughs) X-Files. Listen! But do go on. Okay, I don't, I'm just... Maybe he's still going to be on it and Microsoft all just got them confused. This is, what you, you, okay. this is what you're subscribed for, okay? This app is yep, free yep. for all users. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also Tawny Cypress. Excellent. I almost, Excellent. I almost said the Olsen twins, but they're, they're already famous and also very small. <laughs> Part of my... Um, Fam- my Family Matters guest was based on a guest from Feels Like the First Time where I was supposed to guess who from the TGIF lineup was in Die Hard, and I guessed the Olsen mm. twins, but it was not the Olsen twins. It was the dad from Family Matters. Oh, God, yes. Okay, great. Incredible. Thank you, Oda, for asking the crystal ball your question um jenny do you have any questions for me um or should i do one more from the bin what's what's your vibe i think you should do one more from the bin bin seems promising okay samantha wrote in and said um crystal ball what do you think is going to be the big bad of the season what about of the series okay so the crystal ball says clearly the big bad of the series is the government and the okay, big okay okay the big bad of the season i think this is a confusing question for the crystal ball it doesn't really have like a super clear image but i'm seeing a lot of deep throat and i don't think that the answer is deep throat but it's showing me a lot of deep throat so in some way what are you are you sure you didn't accidentally navigate to, to the, the sexfiles.com sex <laughs> uh so question mark but that's that's it that's what you that's what you asked that's what you got from the crystal ball um it's a powerful tool i don't want to overheat it um so i'm gonna yeah yeah yeah. stop there incredible well this is some great intel you must be so proud oh i'm i'm always proud of my my crystal ball yeah it's a beautiful gift it just keeps on giving well Kristen, i'd say the status of this x file is coated in rocket fuel and primed to combust. <laughs> Did it. Another one. Torched it. Put this file right back in the cabinet where it came from. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And when I'm not watching The X Files or Buffy or Yellow Jackets, I'm usually writing and recording music and sometimes going on tour. In fact, my beautiful friends, I have recently announced that my first proper full-length studio album in a decade, no big deal, will be out September 22nd. It's called Avalanche. The title track, which I co-wrote with my amazing friend, Maddie Diaz, is out streaming now. You can pre-order the record. You can listen to the first single. Uh, The vinyl edition is pressed on deep purple wax. Mm. You're welcome. Scully would love it. She would. And I'll tell you what else, friends. This fall, I'm going to be playing some shows around the U.S. I'm playing in Brooklyn, Washington, D.C. I'll be playing at the J. Edgar Hoover building. (laughs) Uh, Philadelphia. It'll take you seven hours and 52 minutes to get from the Boston show. Wait, is there a Boston show? Nope. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) 
Philadelphia, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. Tickets are on sale now. You can find out more about the tour, jennyowenyoungs.com slash tour. You can pre-order the record and find out more about the record at jennyowenyoungs.com proper. And you can give me a shout on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at jennyowenyoungs. Amazing. I am Kristen Russo. Um, I don't have a new album out. I'm not going on tour, um, but I am a really fun guy. And you can follow <laughs> me on socials at Kristen Nolene. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Use that spelling. You can go to my website, check out some of the work that I do with and for LGBTQ communities. Buffering, a rewatch adventure, is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at BufferingCast. You could drop us an email at hello at BufferingCast.com. I just want to say that Kristen edited her first TikTok for us. That's right. Uh, it's a it's a visual uh, rendition of the Bye for Boreana's jingle. You can find that on our TikTok. Uh, the people are responding well. Mm -hmm. Listen. What a delight. People love a torso. You know what I mean? Especially when it's nice and sweaty. Uh, mm -hmm. You can support us in our quest to find more beautiful male torsos um, by supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash BufferingCast. We would really love your support. We've upped our production big time going into the X-Files. We're doing three episodes at least every month with Buffering the Vampire Slayer. We were doing um, every other week. We are in the middle of Hot Dad Summer. There is a recording of the Hot Dad concert that happened available to you. If you missed it live, you can watch it. Uh, that's available to all of our patrons at $5 or higher. You can learn all of that over on our Patreon page. Also, check out our new hot merch. It's pretty great. Just saying. Buffering hot dads. Hot merch. We've got it all. Yeah. Everything is on fire, actually. <laughs> this episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and Latoya Ferguson, with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. Until next time. The pod? The pod? Is, is out there on fire there we go Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. 
You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.